What is up, everybody? Episode 177, this episode presented by Disc Golf 978. Disc Golf 978 is doing fire things. In fact, uh, many of you reached out to see about these amateur payouts. I absolutely love them. And I'm if I'm being honest, I want every single tournament around the country I, maybe the globe. I don't. I don't travel that much internationally. But to use these amateur payouts, these amateur pay, player packs, because if I win at your event or place, I don't win that often either. If I place, it goes right into my Disc Golf Nine Seven Eight bank account, and it is super easy to just keep building it up to get what I want instead of necessarily what the tournament director thinks I want, um, or just like another disc. So it goes both player packs and payouts. Fantastic! I'm telling you, everyone around the country can use this. It's super easy. They've got a great website. They have all the discs you'd ever want. Uh, and I've ordered baskets and everything else. By the way, guys, fun fact, I just reclassified from professional to amateur. It is done. I was able to do it. I met the criteria. I am now officially once go. again an amateur. I've always been an amateur, but my classification was pro. And we've got the whole lineup here. Nick, Evan, Josh, Ben. Mm -hmm. We've got Paul Kranz in our actual studio, not even virtual studio. We'll bring him in in just yes. a minute. Guys... I would say by raise of hands, but let's just go to Nick. Nick, oh, you weren't here last week. Who did you pick to win the no. Super Bowl, though? Anybody? Uh, honestly, no. I was kind of more so hoping for the Niners, but yeah, I, I figured Kansas City was going to win. You figured it. Okay, well, yeah. um, I did pick Kansas City, so point for me. Evan, did you pick? I forget. Yeah, I picked Kansas City as well, but was rooting for the Niners, so okay. kind of went exactly how I, was, how I was expecting. Like, Niners are looking like they got it, and then Chiefs end up winning, and Josh, that's what happened. you picked the Chiefs, right, Josh? Yeah, just I said for family rooting interests, I don't think I actually love the team per se, but uh, yes, I'm not surprised at the outcome, although it was a pretty weird game. I mean... Yeah. What was it? Was it ten to six? Ten to three at halftime or something? It or, was three to uh, zero forgetting. almost through the whole. Thing. Uh, and, and, yeah. and then obviously, sure, the excitement ramped up at the end, so it's still exciting. Yeah. That's what I really was rooting for. And Ben, who did you pick? You said I'm I a big fan. I'm sure. No, no, I wanted the Niners to win, but again, if I went with the Chiefs because just logically, I, it was I just thought they would win. So. so one, two, three, four of us picked the Chiefs, including Nick, who said he would have or he thought they'd win. They did. Yeah. None of us got the correct score, though, right? Who got the closest? Anybody? I don't remember my score. I don't remember okay. giving a score. I said we do 27 that? to 17. That wasn't that far off, right? It was 26 yeah, it at the end or like 22 or something. 25 to 20. No. 25 to 20, 20, 20 correct 25 to 22 i was i'll give myself Oof, the pat yeah, on the back we're there there's a little bit where i thought it might go my way that's enough about super bowl and football and all that i want to take a shift actually kind of in a little bit more of a somber moment here but pdga number 33 33 that's back in the beginning when realistically you were probably at a time where you were getting handed it by ed hedrick himself and probably he might have even asked you what number you wanted that's very possible i'm talking to others like um anyways go john kirkland and all these others that i've been able to meet and have the privilege to to either play around with or hang out with 33 is early enough that you were an influencer of the sport of frisbee absolutely there's no question about it you're back there in the beginning but this tom monroe he passed away saturday um we heard about him. There's videos on him. If you look this up on YouTube, 
He was a driving force in Frisbees back in the 70s all the way through until just this last Saturday. He touched and influenced many of the legends of disc golf. Our condolences and our well wishes to everyone affected by that. Um, I'm seeing it ripple throughout the whole disc golf community. So definitely from our show uh, and all that are listening, uh, heartfelt condolences. And with that, I've already talked a lot, but I'm going to throw it over to Evan. He's going to give us some stat recaps on some of the events that are taking place uh, this past week. What's up, Evan? Well, not much is going on. Uh, just kidding. A lot is going on. Um, we've <laughs> been talking overseas a lot, and I'm going to continue to do that because um, there's probably one more uh, big notable event from New Zealand that people will recognize with uh, you know, top pros such as Julian Corver or Corey Ellis playing over there. Uh, and this one was the 2024 Bottle Lake Open. It was an A-tier for pros uh, down in New Zealand. Uh, I think they call it the Tour Down Under uh, down there. Uh, Julian Corver wins an FPO by 31 strokes. Uh, she finished even par, and the next closest competitor was 31 over par. That is quite the win, uh, kind of dominating fashion uh, for Juliana Corver, but that's not to be not expected from JK, uh, who's done that lots in her career. Um, she has now, uh, won all three of her events in New Zealand on this short little trip that she takes down under. I like saying that I'm going to continue to do that down, down under. under part. So don't hate, appreciate, uh, so she won the Taupo open, the New Zealand national championships, and now the bottle Lake open going three for three down under, uh, in MPO, Levi Stout wins. Uh, he beats Luke Humphreys by one stroke. Uh, Corey Ellis, uh, who's been the notable name, mentioned him earlier. He had a DNF in round one. I don't know the exact reason, uh, but he did DNF. Uh, Levi Stout finished second and fourth in his last two events with these Americans uh, coming down under. Uh, he only lost by two strokes to Corey Ellis at Taupo, uh, but a little bit more at the New Zealand National Championships. But he gets the win here. Uh, he had eight straight pro wins in New Zealand prior to uh, these Americans coming over and then losing two. And now he's back to winning. He's the highest rated player in New Zealand. Uh, he's the only one that's over a thousand. He's a thousand and seven. He's also the highest ranked player by the Statmando official rankings from New Zealand. Uh, he's number 265 in the world otherwise, which might not sound good, but really is pretty good. If you, uh, if you really think about that, the entire globe being number 265, at something that's pretty impressive. Uh, look out for him. He is young. He literally just played um, the PDGA Junior World Championships uh, last year in Illinois. Uh, Matt, you were out at that one, right? I or was. That was. Years ago? Yeah, there was smoke So he was everywhere. out there, finished fifth in MJ18. Uh, he also played two disc golf pro tour events while on this little American stint. He finished 29th at the grip equipment, Kansas city wide open and 91st at the dynamic Dis open, which was an elite event. Those are his only three events of his career outside of New Zealand. So saying his name, he's come up a lot in these kind of recent recaps and me looking at New Zealand. Um, but we'll be interested to see what his career has in store from him all the way there down under in New Zealand. Wow. To this point, Ooh. to this point though, absolute fire if, you, if that's your only three events that's incredible all right evan i cut that you was off. so confusing well, i was like did i do something wrong it lit on fire yeah for those listening and driving around in your cars or at work there was a fire that just swept across the screen all right evan keep going 
Yeah, well, it was, it was after it got switched to UMAT. So oh, uh, I think the fire was meant for me, but I, I needed a, a break there because I uh, I was talking a lot and was about to run out of air. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> the other AT of the weekend was the 2024 Gulf Coast Charity Open. Uh, Matthew Blakely wins an MPO. He's an MP40 eligible player. Uh, he wins an MP40 Sorry, he wins an MPO here. Uh, he beats another MP40 or MP50 player in Johnny McRae. And then an FPO, Morgan Linz, beats Jordan Linz by a single stroke. Uh, Morgan Linz is 12 rating points higher than Jordan, but their PDG numbers are only one apart. Morgan is 176242, and Jordan's 176243. Uh, but then on the other side of this, uh, not generation, a different generation, but on the other side of FPO, uh, there's two players with low PDGA numbers, Sandy Gast and Pamiflage Renicki, uh, who were also one stroke apart, although Sandy Gast with the higher PDG number was the one with the better score. Uh, they are 6440 and 6439. Uh, they love to play you know, FPO events, even with the, uh, the Lens being uh, a number of years younger than them, uh, kind of entering FPO. Uh, so that's cool to see. Uh, and then swinging it across the globe, the Okinawa Open in Japan, uh, Manabu Kajayama wins. That's his seventh time winning the Okinawa Open. Uh, and then Carissa Deadman, who's from California of the United States of America, went out to Japan and won by 14 strokes in FPO, her first ever event outside the United States. Then out in Idaho, I believe. I didn't write this down, but I'm pretty sure it was in Idaho, um, which I'm curious why I was in Idaho. I need to learn more about this event. Idaho. But the Ulibari Safari. <laughs> That's a good one, Matt. The Ulibari Safari had Paul Ulibari win an MPO. Uh, you think that you should win an event with your own name, but I do want to note that Paul Ulibari finished second the last two years he's played this event in 2022 and 2023, but gets the win this year. Uh, Ulibari Safari is high in my rankings of best tournament names I've heard. Uh, that one's fantastic. And I do want to learn more about that. I don't have the more info right now that people are probably hoping I had, but I need to learn it and they can, can share it when I learn more, but go ahead. There, there would be an interesting, um, that to be found out players that have an event named after them, how many win losses. Cause remember Paul Macbeth, wasn't it, wasn't it Macbeth wintertime open at one point? Or, or was I it, don't think the name of the tournament was that. Or he was the main no, I sponsor. Think it, I think right? it was presented. Yeah, I think it was the Wintertime Open presented by Paul McBeth. There you go. So Wait, I think, actually? Yeah. yeah no. I think so. This yes. was like three or four years ago. Yeah, I remember it. I, like okay. I have All a right. little insight on the Ulabari Safari just because uh, on Tour Ooh. Life he talked about it. Um, he said that it used to be a fundraiser back in the day for him when he to support him to go on tour so the funds from that tournament would go to him i don't know why it's in idaho but now he says it's just a tradition he just does because you know his name's still there but but before it was so people could support him now, on tour. it's so he can raise money for a baby am i in, incorrect with that if i am i just put my foot i in haven't my heard mouth. i think that was a public announcement no. right yeah it Hopefully. was yeah okay yeah. Yes. 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 i'm like yeah please confirm yeah. <laughs> His his okay. his wife is I was expecting. Like slowly sliding yes. down my seat. Oh yeah, I did see that. I did yeah. see that. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, that's cool. All right, uh, what else you got, Evan? Little Eula baby coming. Uh, it, his name's so easy to make. You know, fun things with like the Eula, Eula baby. Safari. I'm gonna say Eula baby. Like, that's uh, a cool last name. I'm a little jealous of Paul there. And going back to the Wintertime Open, you guys are correct. In 2020, the 42nd <laughs> annual Wintertime Open presented by Paul Macbeth, and then parentheses Pro Weekend for at least the one that Paul Macbeth was playing in. Uh, so. 
Last event I'll hit, uh, speaking on uh, player names being in the tournament name or slightly kind of not really, uh, Andrew Presnell wins the ninth annual Presidential Cup uh, in Missouri. So he often goes by Prez, wins the Presidential Cup. I thought that was also interesting because it's uh, called the Presidential Cup. Many people will know of the President's Cup being kind of the uh, unique format of uh, Team Europe versus Team USA out at the European Open. This is, of course, a very different event out in Missouri and not Finland. Uh, and Presnell won this once before, so it's his second win at the Presidential Cup. So I bet he calls that the Prez Cup, or people will call that once he starts winning it too often. But that's all I got. We got All-Star Weekend coming this weekend. That's oh, uh, saying weekend a lot. But uh, that is exciting to have the Pro Tour uh, season here. I know that's what a lot of people expect. Uh, I certainly love uh, talking about lots of events. There's lots of cool uh, things to dive into. So I appreciate the people who do enjoy this. Um, and we'll try to keep it up, but we'll, uh, of course, have the Pro Tour season being uh, front and center for lots of people. All right. And with that awesome recap, there's there's some conversation to come out of that for sure. But we're going to welcome to the show live for the first time in 2024. Everybody, PDGA world champion, amateur world champion, PDGA professional rookie of the year, Paul Kranz. Welcome to the show, man. How How's you doing? Going? I'm doing good. Good. Um, people sometimes know this, others don't, but you are a local here, right? Like how, yeah. how far away did you have to drive to get here? Uh, 30 minutes. 30. Yep. So I think anything inside of 30 is considered pretty local. Uh, yep. Do you live in Massachusetts or Connecticut? I live in Massachusetts, but my house is touching the Connecticut border. So I can, walk, I can walk outside and be in Connecticut. Fun fact. That's so, super cool. I'm what, interested. Yeah. What stat is that? Like, have you ever putted across state lines? Yeah. I've uh, I've tried to hit a bee's nest out of my neighbor's tree, and his tree is in Connecticut. Um, so I was trying to throw a disc <laughs> at a tree in Connecticut from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. So we're going to make this a little bit more conversation-based for, so- for sure than rather than just like deep dive interview. We kind of did that with the Amateur Worlds thing, which, by the way, you've only went up from there. Um, tell us real quick, cause you said the other day, and I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but it implied that the PDGA rookie of the year got a little bit more attention than maybe you expected. Like congrats on that, dude. That <laughs> is you. fantastic. And well earned. Um, talk to us about that. What'd you think? Yeah, I, uh, I knew about the PDJ rookie of the year for a little while now because I was watching the point standings. Um, the only one that could beat me was Braden sides, but he ended up dropping out of like two of his last a tiers um but once uh once i saw that i was like i knew that i got it but i didn't realize how much like attention it was going to get until i saw the posts that were made and i think i got like maybe 50 to 100 reshares within the first couple hours on instagram and facebook blew up um i really didn't realize how big of a title it was until until uh, they posted it, but when they announced it, uh, it was uh, honestly a surprise to me because I knew about it for quite a while, and then I forgot about it for a month, maybe. Um, and then when I saw the post, it was like a huge surprise. So it was a it was a fun little reveal and something to to remember forever. So you were just kind of like scrolling, mm-hmm. <laughs> really? Yeah. And you're like, I op- you, you scrolled back a little bit. Yeah, I I opened up <laughs> Facebook, and the first post I saw was. Paul Cran's PDJ Rookie of the Year, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was not expecting them to post it. I, I honestly forgot that they were they were going to do something about it. 
that to me is a moment I would have loved to have just been there, fly on the wall, just scrolling, <laughs> what, what? <laughs> just scrolling back. That's awesome, dude. Um, I'm sure then you pass it along to people like your parents and significant yep. others. Like, dude, look what just happened, kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. their reactions were just ecstatic too. Yeah. No, they they were super excited, and it was just a fun thing to. I, I basically spent all day reading messages and responding to people and saying thank you. Um, but that that was a fun day to sit inside on a, I think it was a negative 30 degrees that day in Iowa. What? So, oh, Iowa. Okay. Yeah. So I, oh, you I, were in Iowa. Yeah, I was in Iowa when they announced it. So it was like negative 30 degrees. So I, I stayed inside all day and just read messages. Was that the day that I brought up that crew who's played like 600 weekends in a row, including that one that was like minus whatever oh, yeah, in yeah, Iowa? There's was... some crew in Iowa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, enough about Iowa. <laughs> Dude, you're sitting here with us. You're getting ready to hit the road. About how many days or hours are we talking until you go where? I leave for Florida in two days, so Thursday. Um, or no, three days. Whatever Thursday is. The when 15th. people are listening to this, it might be that day. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I leave on the 15th. I don't have a set time yet. It just depends on when I'm ready. Wow. Um, so it could be morning, it could be night, but I leave on the 15th and hopefully should get there by the 17th. And then I'll probably spectate the chess.com or no, sorry, I'll spectate oh! the, <laughs> I'll spectate the all-star event Yeah, and then I'll start preparing and practicing for uh, chess.com. We've got some people in here who know something about that course and venue, I'm sure. Um, maybe we could actually do a little five up with Paul Kranz. We can kind of panel discussion here so you're traveling down there you're going to spectate the all-stars at some level so people can get autographs and buy discs are mm -hmm. you going to be like vending out of your van and things like that uh middle of the year when okay. i get my discs and whatever um i'll have them to sell on the road so i don't have anything right now but i will at some point Okay. Do you have any questions for the course owner here or i don't owners a little <laughs> much right yeah, Nick? not not owner okay. <laughs> course what do we call you course <laughs> director President? Manager. Yeah, just course manager. President. Exact executive vice president. Something. <laughs> Do you have any questions have, for this guy? Some, Tips? Tricks? We have some stupid title for me, but I forget exactly what it is. <laughs> it's like chief operating officer of the worldwide prestigiousness of Olympus. It's something like super <laughs> long and stupid, but that's... You, you got to get that on a shirt. Title. <laughs> yeah my shirt will say mr olympus that's what everyone's been like i'm kind of dubbing as the nickname now is mr olympus nice so. uh first question for the course is what is the uh what's the rating for par gonna be looking like hoping uh, from what people have been telling me so far they think it's gonna rate anywhere from 10 10 to 10 20 i think that's a little too high i think i'm hoping anywhere from like 10 to 10 to 10 10 yeah would be I think what's going to happen, but we're also, we're adding OB. It's going to be a full field of players. So who knows? It could be. Uh, I'm just hoping it's one of those courses where it's, you know, eight to nine points a stroke rather than, you know, five and a half points a stroke. Yeah. I saw Braden Sides, he posted a video of playing front nine, back nine, and he, um, I got to watch the course and it looks absolutely fantastic. You said you're adding OB and yes. how, how much is that going to be? Like, so property lines. So you'll see OBs. If I go through the course, actually, in my head, you'll see OBs on one, <laughs> two, three, four. You shouldn't on five. Shouldn't on six, seven, eight, nine. So probably about fifty percent of them will have OB, but some of them, realistically, as a good player, 
it shouldn't come into play at all. Like hole two is just a property line. Hole three is just a property line. Two or three good shots and you're going to be perfectly fine. You shouldn't ever fight with the OB on it. There are some holes though where fairways run parallel with other fairways, like 13, 14, and 15 all run back and forth. And so if you're, you know, too far to the left on 14, you're probably OB because you're in 13. Yeah, fairway. similar to so toboggan. Like yes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Great. So... I, I'm going to open it up to others in just a minute here, but we share something in common at the show with you. And we're going to get into another topic here. All, all of this makes sense in a minute. Your team MVP now, which mm -hmm. you were throwing disc mania before. Yep. Congratulations on that. <laughs> Thank you. You're happy with that contract. Very happy. Um, you probably can't tell us the full deals, but do you think this is better than you had expected? Or is this uh, exactly what you wanted? It, it's in between. Okay. It's uh, better than I expected and worse than I expected. I don't know More how to explain. I, I can't, yeah, better, I can't. Okay, that's I interesting. Can't, I can't say, but it it's uh, very good for me for my first year. There you go. Very yeah. good for him for his first year. Um, and so we'll, we might circle back around to that if anybody has any questions on that. But then Disc Golf 978, are you still sponsored by them? Yep. Okay. So Disc Golf 978, I'm bringing it up again. We talked about their tournament player packs, their payouts. Um, they do big things in the community here, and you're a part of that. Um, they also sponsor Casey White. Casey White, yep. I'm just saying notable, I guess, names yeah. that people would know. Um, soon to be Simon Lazat. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. I'm just making <laughs> that rumor up. Um, but they're fantastic. They have the rock bottom prices, and they confirm this with me. I always say, and people maybe, maybe I don't come across genuine enough. They invest back into the community like I've seen nobody else do as far as like a, a disc golf brand goes. Yeah, they they definitely put the community before themselves. It's incredible. In fact, they did a full um, charity give like giving back to Eagle. He came on our show and they they sold off the special disc that Eagle had mm -hmm. and they gave back five dollars of everything to yeah. the charity. Like I'm like, dude, you're <laughs> make, not making money off of that, I guess. Yeah, that's okay. No, they, community I, first. I would call them. Or I, I have said in posts many times that they are the best disc golf family to be a part of. Like, i so blessed to have them in my backyard. Do you have a code? Like, in if people check out? Yeah, in Connecticut. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> do you have a code? Like, if people I, go to 978? I have an affiliate, affiliate link. link. Let's but... just do it this way. We love 978. We'll get you, a, a, we'll know the connection there with mm -hmm. Paul, and it's through our show. We love 978. We'll get you that connection to us. Go check it out, Disc Golf 978. Okay, so you're not an all star this year. Nope. Is there any chance of that in 2025? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you think <laughs> I, so? I, I strongly believe that I can do it. How many players are in it? Um, who wants to speak up on that? I don't know. It's probably 16, maybe. Isn't it like 30? Uh oh, well, I thought like over, all well, I thought over. it was like over the course of like, isn't there a bunch for fielding games and stuff? I, think I, I guess maybe I'm thinking of, maybe I'm thinking of I'm FPO combining it all together, like the field yeah. games and so the tournament play. 24 to 32? I voting or, or other criteria, I forget the exact words, like standings are within it. But uh, so there's 12 total per division. Uh, so that would be 24. Oh, okay. But then you mentioned the field games, and I, I'm not super aware on how many other players are participating. But all stars um, is 12. But I think each. I think for the realistic, you should say the top 12. And, and Paul's playing MPO, just to be clear. So he, there's only 12 spots for Paul. Yeah. So uh, maybe so. not 
for 2025. <laughs> <laughs> but he gave up on his dreams. I thought it was 32. That one day. Oh, that's the tour championship. That's, that's, that's tour championships. Yeah. No. I think both are great goals. I think the tour championship, like, <laughs> that's open for lots of players. So if that's your goal, I think that's yeah, fantastic. That's, that's, good, that's what I was thinking of first thing. So. Okay, there we go. Hey, well, I just say one day Paul's going to wake up and scroll Facebook, and he's it's going to be like, congrats to Paul for being an all-star. You're an all-star. You know? That's the strategy. Just relax, go out there, play your best, and see what happens. I don't think any of us laughed because we thought it was unreal. I think we laughed because it's awesome to think about how that would happen. Okay. And that's at least I'm speaking for myself. Um, so all-star event, you're going to be down there for the chess.com invitational yep. and you're playing in it and you're playing in every single event this year as your goal. Yeah. I'm playing every pro tour event besides the West coast swing. So Portland OTB and Beaver state. And then I'm not playing European open. So I'm playing 17 tour events other than the, what, ones I what are you made. doing uh, when you're not going to the West coast, any events? Uh, I have a couple of a tiers sprinkled in but it's more of just relaxed time so i have a, i have 11 weeks straight of traveling and competing and then i have like a couple weeks off then an a tier then a couple weeks off a tier a couple weeks off so i'm giving myself time to relax and wind down instead of going straight through the year and tiring myself out because if i decided to do west coast i would have no time off until european open and that would only be like two and a half weeks off and then it would be straight through the end of like october so I'm giving myself time off and making sure I can reset. Very mature, I think. Yeah, I do. Think well, it's I, I, I want to ask, Paul. So um, is that something that's in your nature and you feel like that's wise? Or have you gotten advice from uh, those on tour to say, find some time to relax? Um, it's just interesting as the sports matured, we're seeing that more. So like what led you to that decision? Uh, that was just because I knew I needed it. Because even when I was playing local A tiers, I would get tired. But it was more of, I got tired because I, when I had time off, I had to go back home and I had my own landscaping business. So I mowed lawns during my time off. So I had really no time to rest. Um, but I knew I needed time off after 11 weeks straight. And I made sure to overbook my year. I'm playing 23 events right now. And that's from leaving in three days all the way until the end of October. Um, so I have a very long year ahead of me, but I knew I needed time to relax and reset my body and, um, just make sure I can compete at a higher level when the bigger tournaments come around. So I also didn't really want to drive all the way out West this year. I'd rather be Smart. within a day's drive of mass. Whereas like if I went out to West, the West coast, it would be like a three and a half day drive. So by me skipping that, I can be within 24 hours of home. If flying was an option for one of those events, which one would you choose? Probably Beaver State. The chat's asking for that. <laughs> They're like, we'll raise money for that. Is it, it, and I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is it a money thing? If it was like, oh, I had a flight, would you even consider it? Or are you like, still no, if, that might it, be too it much? It would be a mental thing. Okay. If, I, if I'm mentally okay with it and yeah. prepared, I would. Um, but that's only if like, if it's all paid for yeah like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna put my money towards it and then tire myself out so but if you could see the future and you would take down beaver state fling would you do it yeah 
Yeah, so if, if, got, if you were guaranteed to know that you won a tournament, you would go to it. He's like, mental or not. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, that was a bad question, but it was also fun. Hey, I, I just, just because the tiring thing, I think it's interesting you talk about a drive. Like, how are you actually touring? Yeah. Like, is this a, a car, a van? Yeah, so I bought a Chevy Traverse, which is a big SUV. I took out the two middle captain seats. It was a seven-seat car, so I took out the two middle captain seats. I built a box that's like 30 inches by 35 inches and that has about 85 discs in it and all the clothing that i'm going to be bringing um and there's a memory foam mattress it's a twin mattress in the back um solar panel on the roof solar battery in the car mini fridge in the car um and whatever else i may need like i bought a electric stove top cooker uh pots and pans um it's very livable but with that being said, I'm traveling in a car and sleeping in the car for half of a week. But then the other half of the week, I'm going to be in Airbnbs with Simon and my buddy Cal Longquist and Joey Tamale and then whoever else is invited. <laughs> that is that an open, open invitation? <laughs> well, it was to him. <laughs> whoever else Simon invites, I yeah. should say. <laughs> yeah. That sounds wonderful. Like, I mean, the drive, like you said, driving, living out, of, but then you're going to be in an Airbnb. That sounds like a really nice mix, actually. Yeah. My my favorite part about it is uh, I don't have to go to laundromats. I can just <laughs> go out of the Airbnb and do laundry there. Yep. Absolutely. Um, anybody else have a question for him? I have another topic, but anybody other have a question before we move on? Uh, what yeah. tour event are you looking forward to? Uh chess.com out of the out of the 17 that i'm playing it's chess.com yeah. but i would really? say i wanted i really was looking forward to waco until i heard that they're adding a golf course because i felt golf like course. waco was that one tournament that i could that i could win um Same. out of out of like <laughs> without putting thought in without putting <laughs> Without putting thought into it, Waco was the first. <laughs> Sorry, Anyways. when Nick goes, same. Nick, Nick wanted top five. He said it. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. That was good information. <laughs> yeah, Waco was the was is like the main event that, off the top of my head, would be like, yeah, I can win that. So, um, other than that, probably like Idlewild or. Um, even worlds. I'm really looking forward to playing the Lynchburg course. I've seen it so much on YouTube. Yeah. <clears throat> so you want to walk us through how you got this tour pass? Was this an exemption, but PDJ rookie of the year happened? Like, how did you get this tour pass? Cause now I'm kind of taking this topic a little bit into the Q series announcement, which is going to be like a path for most people that are going to do it. But how did you do it? Uh, for me personally, I had to apply for an exemption. Um, this year they listed it as any like injury-based exemption. So like if Eagle didn't get a tour pass, he could apply for it and he would get it because uh, he was a staple on the tour. Um, but then they also did rating-based. And last year, the lowest rated player to get a full tour pass was like 1015. Um so me being at 1023 rated, I knew that I was I had a good chance of getting it. But obviously, the voices in your back of your head, you're like, "Am I gonna actually get it? Am I gonna get it?" But um, yeah, so I I had to uh, apply through the exemption, and I had to like give 
they they asked a question saying state your case on why we should grant you a tour pass so i listed off some achievements and my dedication to wanting to tour so they saw it and they gave me the full tour pass and i was able to sign up to for 12 events right away and have all the uh guarantees of touring do you and evan you might actually be familiar with this but i'll ask paul if you had not been granted that and then you got pdga rookie of the year do you think that would have been enough regardless of your achievements well i guess they're all kind of tied together but do you think that would have been it or you don't know I, I don't think that's the reason. I think my rating was the reason. Okay. And just the fact that I showed dedication to wanting to tour. Like, I listed every event that I wanted to go to. So, um, okay. But I prob- if I didn't get it, I probably would have reached out and asked again. I, 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 I feel like I would have I used that to my advantage to see if that was, like, them open, like, open up their eyes to, to uh, who I am. Hello, I'm the rookie of the year. Uh, Evan, do you know by chance, is there any criteria? I know you're not Disc Golf Pro Tour, but like PDGA Rookie of the Year, does that tie into it at all or you just don't know? I think, I, I, I'm not sure if okay. that officially gives them a uh, a tour pass, but I what I do know is, the, I mean, well, what I do know, what I am assuming is the Disc Golf Pro Tour wants, you know, good players yeah. to play on their tour. And so if you win the PDGA Rookie of the Year, they're like, hey, that's a notable achievement that can uh, get them on the radar to give one of those special uh, exemptions to. Right. Um, what do we know about the Q series? Did you see this announcement, Paul? Okay, what do we know about it? Because I think this would have been more likely in some ways that Paul could have graduated up through than just kind of arbitrarily playing good at all these events you went to. There's a path to do that now. Uh, Josh, do you want to give us a little bit of the breakdown that you can tell with that? Sure. Well, I'll give a little breakdown from the website and then yeah, others can, can steer the conversation. Um, but as the tour continues to increase, you just heard like Paul obviously having to apply for a tour card, which by the way is crazy because you just look back really a full handful of years and this didn't exist and now it does. So that's cool. And so as a result, you've got to earn your way on to the tour and this new Q series, which Q standing for qualification um right is basically a way for other players to um gain some experience but really earn a chance um at a tour card and so we can go to whatever the specific numbers are but there's basically um a series of a tier events around the country starting as early as may um culminating in a finale in november um you can go to the website really across the country um looks like certainly like mostly leaning towards a little bit the south midwest and west and it also says other events can be added but in short they're taking the top handful again we can go over the numbers but the top handful of players who finish strong in those events finish towards the top of the series uh, point standings you earn a tour card for 2025 and so it's a different way rather than just trying to play well and apply for an exemption it's actually a way to earn a chance onto the tour so um, we can fill in the details but i'll now i'll stop my summary right yeah there. so evan what do you know about this at all because it sounds to me like it's almost is it a tour it's a q series tour like so if you want to place well you play as many of them as you can is that what you guys are hearing events uh on the q series for let's say the regular season I, I think i had that right um and only the top three i believe count for your q series standings which is a separate standings from the disc golf pro right. tour standings um so it's a an entirely unique to this uh q series uh, and you earn points the same point um 
uh, breakdown as Disc Golf Pro Tour event or Disc Golf Pro Tour Elite events, uh, as in like 100 points to the winner and so on, will be at the Q Series, but it'll be an entirely separate system. Uh, your top three count. And then um, I think it is the top here. Let me have it right here. The top 25 players in FPO and top 50 in MPO for the Q Series earn an invite into the Q Series finale, mm. which will be in November 2024 in the southeastern U.S. Um, you can also get an invite to the, tour, uh, the Q Series finale by being um, in the Disc Golf Pro Tour world standings, uh, being farther down so they say 46 to 80 uh in fpo and 91 to 150 so that's outside the automatic i I believe it's outside the automatic tour card qualification uh then you get into this finale and the finale it's just the top three players in mpo and the top two players in fpo in the finale get a full uh disc golf pro tour uh tour card like the official it's not considered gold but the next one's silver um and if you uh, finish uh third to fifth in fpo or fourth to eighth in the q series finale and mpo you get a silver tour card uh and also if you win a q series event you get a silver tour card as well so the interesting thing though to add on is i believe since these are just a tiers that they cannot restrict um entry into these events but what they can do is, um, uh, I don't know if restricts the right word, but essentially uh, not count points for a player who um, is above the Q series level. Um, so if you have a uh, Disc Golf Pro Tour tour card, you will not be considered uh, for the uh, next season, for 2025, you will not be considered for the points of a Q series event. Uh, so the points will just, it'll act like you weren't there uh, and it'll move down to the next player uh, as if they finished one higher wow. uh, and it'll go from there. If that so, is so, all making sense. Yeah. So if you're Calvin Heinberg and you show up at the 303 open, you can play probably assuming you, you register, but you're not stealing Q series points from someone who's trying mm. to earn a chance at a tour card, which I think is kind of fun to watch. And then I also know the actual where I'm pretty sure the Q series finale, which is the big event at the end, that is, I think, highly restricted. It'll be fun to watch that. It's all the way in November. We got a lot of golf between now and then, but the ones in that event are playing for a legitimate chance to tour in 2025, which is cool. I have a question for Paul Kranz here in studio on that, but I also, before I send it to him, what player now with that criteria in mind would be the likeliest player to be like, I'm going to go win those events. Like I'm going to go win Q series events, knowing that like, I don't take away points, but like it just wouldn't feel the same. Like silver series or silver events used to have that feeling of like, they're just lower grade. Like I'll go and win those. Now it's like a different thing. It's a qualifying series. So I don't expect to see someone like Calvin go take it down. I think he might feel awkward about it. That being said, Paul Kranz, if this was, by the way, does everyone just say your full name now? Like there's Paul Kranz. Not often. Okay, it was me. I don't know. By the way, Paul Kranz, us New Englanders called crayons, crayons. Like (laughs) you got to brand with some crayons, man. I I need to see some Paul Kranz, crayons. No, I was thinking... Yeah, I was thinking actually his fans would be Cran Cran fans. Yeah, Cran fans. <laughs> and what's crazy is Kansas City Chiefs won last night, so it's like everything's right. going good for him. So my question is, if this was something that was around this year, I I don't know your full life situation, but like if Q Series was a thing, is that what you would have targeted? Because like take yourself back a year, that would have been an entry point. Would you have tried to go that route? No. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I've never really believed in, um, 
I, I can't say I wouldn't believe. I have never been okay with just going out there to do. I don't even know how to explain it. I I wouldn't be able to commit my life to the Q series events. Okay. Sum it up. Like I I wouldn't be able to commit it to that, but I can commit to Pro Tour because I know that it's at the highest level and that there's a future to be had with it. Whereas like it's the same thing as a Monday qualifier event. I would not drive 15 hours to try to qualify for an event on a Monday and then fail and then have nowhere to go. So I I need security basically to to feel comfortable. Um but with that being said it's like I worked in other areas to get to to where I am. So if if I was forced to play the Q series events to get a tour card and there's absolutely no other way, I probably would try my best to get to a few of them. Yeah, and that was going to be my follow-up because I'm curious yeah, if you this... win if you just win one event, you get a silver. Oh, you so get just a silver by, tour card. Yeah, just by winning, you get a silver tour but, card. But not winning, you would have to play more to make it. Yeah, to you'd have finale. to get points okay. and get to the finale and get in. And that's a fair perspective. And so Paul did what he was able to do, and he actually earned his way on. But for those who may be here in the future, we talked about this a year or two ago. How far out are we before it's going to be only people that have qualified? Like, you don't just get to say, I want to play an event. Well, I thought it was going to be somewhat like that this year. With what I heard from people, they were like, oh, yeah, every event's going to be absolutely jam-packed with just tour car players. There were a few events. Um, Open at Austin was full before it opened up to the first tier, I believe. Or it was near full. And only a few people got in. And everybody in that tournament is above 1,000 rated. So there's 112 competitors that are above 1,000 rated. So it, it is getting near there. You have to be over 1,000 to play in these events. But I thought it was going to be more like tour card players are for... Like, only tour card players can play in them. Um, but I... Uh, I was a little surprised when I saw that um, thousand rated players and even below a thousand rated players can get in every now and again. So I over I I kind of over assume I, I could have gotten into every event without a tour card. That's what I realized without I, the security though and that yeah, comfort that you wanted. I probably. I could have gotten into every event without a tour card because of your tiered registration. Yeah, for it, right. Being a ten twenty rated player. Yeah, being ten twenty, yeah, I would have been able to get into every event. So that has its perks. Yeah, so <laughs> technically I didn't really need the tour card, but the tour card was like that 100% security that it is going to happen, and I'm in these events no matter what now. Right. And forward thinking, if you have a tour card this year, how do you lose that tour card? Like, as in, like, don't they give people preference for the following year if you had a tour card? Um, If you're out of the top 80... I think okay. the top 80 MPO get a tour card. So if I were to have a tour card this year and end up in the out of the top 80, then I wouldn't get one for next year. But if I'm, I'm hoping to be around like 30th, 30th at the highest. So I should be able to go into next year with a tour card. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is that's where that security of having the card comes because in the future, let's say two years down the road or even a year, it's not what you're saying, which was like, I could get into every event. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to be like, I want to place well enough with my tour card. Yeah. So I, I told my parents with getting the tour card, I look at it as I'm guaranteed to have the, a tour card for the rest of my life as long as I compete in these events. So getting the tour card right now 
I'm looking at that at, at that as it's starting my future for the next ten years, and I can have a tour card hmm. as long as I play. Okay. Um. So that is fantastic, and you obviously have worked very hard for that. Um, your time is very valuable. You're a few days out from leaving. We're actually going to let you go here in a few minutes. And I know the chat's going to be like, Matt, why are you rushing people out? But to be honest, I try to be courteous to our guests. And a lot of our guests that come on our show actually give us a timeline or we, we ask for when they'd like to leave. So I'm not rushing anybody out here, but before we let you go, does anybody else have any follow-ups? Nick, you've been sitting inside kind of quiet. Is there any tips or tricks for him to come down? Is it super muddy still? Like, does he, should he no, bring gosh, shorts, no. shorts, t-shirts? No. We've had a, today was a tank top kind of day. It was great. <laughs> I was wearing a sleeveless shirt working. Um, no, we've uh, hadn't had rain the last week, which has been great, last six days. And when that happens, the course plays absolutely incredible. It's the most unique piece of property in Florida, especially for a disc golf course. And uh, I would say just bring your A game because that's <laughs> literally what it's going <laughs> to, what you're going to need out here. It's uh, It's pretty sweet. Everyone that, I've been able to talk to that's been out practicing and playing over the last two weeks. Uh, MPO and FPO combined have said how incredibly fun the layout is, challenging. And honestly, I've heard nothing but great re reviews from the FPO players that have played the course. And that was a huge thing that kind of went into all of this process was designing a course with the same set of tee pads, but then different basket locations for the FPO division to get the same feel of the whole course. And I think we pretty much nailed it. So we're, we're stoked. We are very, very happy. I think more courses need that. I think every course needs that. Same tee pads, different baskets. Mm -hmm. So you get ready to leave. What's your favorite snack on the road? What are you going to go uh, for? Rice Krispie Squares. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Uh, Melissa at 978 bought me a box of 40 as my parting gift. <laughs> I was just going to ask, could you eat a whole box or like a whole pan? Um, um, yeah. I had... Another oh question for Nick. Uh is it windy on that property? Uh today it was super windy and it did come into effect for a lot of players that were playing. But um there are some points of the course where you're at kind of like the highest one of the holes apparently on the course is top three elevation points in all of Florida. Now wow. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I've been told. Um but you when you get down into kind of the crater, the bowl of the property it does kind of help out with the wind. It kind of kills it a little bit. Um, would that be like Maple Hill windy when it gets really windy? or? Uh, probably not as Maple Hill windy. I don't know. We get hurricanes down here, though, yeah. from what I've heard. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, it all just depends on the weather that week. But uh, not today was pretty windy. I know Casey, Casey White was actually out at the course today. And uh, so I got to chat with him for a little bit. But, yeah, let me know when uh, you get down here. and We'll yeah. go out and... Maybe I can squeeze you in the last couple of hours of the All-Star event. Maybe sure. I can pull some shrinks. <laughs> Maybe connections. Hey, yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot, but you're a friend of mine. We play on the same team. Um, that's awesome to have you on our team. Of course, we just played this last weekend. And you saw my shirt and it said Staggered Stance. And you asked me about the name and the brand change. Do you mind telling me the words that came out of your mouth when you saw that name change? Uh. It is absolutely genius <laughs> for for a podcast. Um, having a staggered stance on things is important, and then it fits disc golf, but also it can be promoted outside of disc golf. I think more brands, more disc golf brands, need to separate themselves from like the 
only disc golf side of things. So like Disc Golf 978, for example, their clothing line, they named it, I think, First Available. So it relates to disc golf if you hit First Available Tree, or it can be First Available Clothing. And it has some random person could see it and not even think that it's disc golf related. So I think more brands need to separate themselves from disc golf a little bit to grow more. So like a podcast, somebody hears Staggered Stance, they're not going to first think disc golf. They're going to think exercise, <laughs> but eventually, yeah, it's, it's it, anyways, I appreciate that. I, I put him on the spot, everybody, because he, he's, we've had good conversations about it and I was thought him sharing his opinion, not from the show side would be valuable, at least to us. And I appreciate that. Um, so we're going to let you go, man. Um, I would normally say any shout outs, but you feel free. I mean, MVP, yep. Simon, Lizard, uh, no, <laughs> whoever you want. MVP, definitely. They are supporting me. An insane amount this year. Uh, Disc Golf 978, they have been amazing to me and they've helped me with anything. They've, they print, oh, where's, where's the, yeah, it's backwards, <laughs> like the weather guy. They print, oh my gosh, I can, they print all the clothing. <laughs> um, I got probably like 40 shirts printed by them and they did it all in two days and absolutely insane. Um, and then Sunstein, they're supporting me this year, uh, with just finances and helping me. They looked over contracts for me and, it just been a great support. Um, obviously, Simon for helping me on the road. That's going to be a huge stress reliever, um, having him by my side and helping me out uh, with Airbnbs and just being a good friend. Um, and then my friends and family, obviously. They are uh, my back, the backbone to, to my success. That's well said. Are you coming back for Team Challenge Finals? No. <laughs> oh, man. Jeff Yetter, I am sorry, but I probably will not. Dang it. All right. Uh, Simon just posted a vlog on Team Challenge. So he anyone did. that's listening that's curious of what that is and what we talk about throughout the winter season in New England, you can go check that out. Well, yeah. we wish you nothing but success, dude. I've got your phone number, and I know there's going to be some good storyline moments. We'll hit you up. If you don't mind coming back on, sure. we would love to uh, let people know. All right, man. Without further ado, we're going to let you Best go. Best of luck, Paul. Thank you. Have a good one. Paul. You too. Bye. See you in a few days. <laughs> All right. Everybody, um, there's a few people that are saying that my microphone's echoing. A few. I did have somebody reach out to me. I, I, are you guys hearing an echo in the call? No? Oh, like you're asking us? Yeah, no. like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, sometimes, like, it comes up once, I kind of ignore it. Then it comes up twice, and I think maybe. But then... It's possible it's because I, I rigged up the third microphone across from me and I maybe didn't set the gates right or whatever. We'll figure that out. But that was a fantastic interview. I'm really excited and uh, yeah. wish wish Paul really, really well. Um, we have still more to talk about and I'm going to actually, you can go back to uh, Evan if you want to in the five up here, but. Hey. Well, I wanted to say one more thing on Paul Kranz, uh, or related to Paul Kranz, uh, before moving on is, I mean, we of course won the PDGA rookie of the year, as we said many times, uh, but the disc golf pro tour rookie of the year just recently changed for 2024, their criteria. Uh, so Paul, uh, Paul Kranz, uh, would not have been a rookie for 2024 under the previous rules, uh, since he played, uh, four total, uh, major and elite events in 2024 or five, maybe I forget exact number, but he, he passed the three threshold. Um, and so now it's the first year of a tour card. I think it's, uh, once you play six events in a single year, 
Um, and that's world standing point events. Uh, so majors and elite series, and that includes the Europe elite series. Uh, or if you play your 10th in your career, or if you qualify for the disc golf pro tour championship, if any of those are met, that means that is your rookie season. Um, if they have not already been met. Uh, so Paul Kranz will likely meet those this year based on his registration. Um, so he will be a, if I'm understanding it correctly, he will be a, a rookie eligible player for 2024 and could win the disc golf pro tour rookie of the year. Yeah. And just so nothing like being a two, like a rookie of the year, two years in a row, you know, that's always fun. Yeah. Well, so, uh, <laughs> correct me if I'm wrong, but I think either Gannon Burr or Isaac Robinson did that recently. Probably, Some, yeah. Somebody, somebody else won the disc golf pro tour rookie of the year after they won the PDGA rookie of the year directly following. And I'm sure it wasn't unique to only them. I mean, there's, uh, it doesn't seem crazy to win the PDGA rookie no. of the year, which is uh, a professional award for, you know, Paul, like Paul Kranz played a lot of a tiers or, or regional B tiers, uh, at the pro level, but wasn't committing to a full tour. And now he is committing to a full pro tour. So it, it, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me, but I don't want to speak for everyone. Uh, something that didn't make sense to me, uh, just to keep it going with my, uh, my talking, uh, Nick, uh, Brooksville is not close to the top three highest points in Florida. According to Wikipedia, it is around the 20th. <laughs> okay. Um, right. and that's just and people a, are lying to me. Yes. Yeah, people yeah. are lying, but, uh, to their defense, like 30 feet can move you up the rankings like crazy in Florida. Yeah. So the highest peak is 345 feet. It's in Walton County. It's Britain Hill. Uh, so that is a monster, a 345 feet. Oof. Um, Whoa. But, really and how, and how high is, um, Olympus? So I, uh, okay, that, I mean, if Nick wants to go out and survey it and tell us the exact one, I could be proven wrong or Wikipedia could be proven wrong. But according to Wikipedia, the highest point in Hernando County, which is where Brooksville, Florida is located yep. is, uh, well, actually it's funny. It's 270 plus feet is what it says. <laughs> yes. <laughs> plus. So, and it says, uh, unnamed peak Southeast of Brooksville. So I don't know if it's Southeast of downtown Brooksville. Does that align? We know I, the I name. Know, it's called Olympus. Yeah. I know I think Olympus that Wikipedia. East of Brooksville. I don't know if it's southeast. I'm not like uh, well uh, we're, in that we're east. Yeah, I don't know if we're technically southeast. But All so the there's also we, we uh, might be. All the important Hill, talk. which is 269 feet, and Munden Hill, which is 261 feet, which are both in Hernando County as well. Um, Hickory Hill is 240 feet in, in Hernando County. So uh, I, I don't know where these are in Hernando County. Did you say uh, Munden Hill? Did I, did I hear you say that? I heard Munden Hill. Uh, yeah. 261 feet is Munden Hill. Is that where you are? So I'm right off of Munden Hill road. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. where's the hill? C can you even tell? Like, uh, it's on a whole 17. Oh, <laughs> look at that. Okay. Yeah. So, so Munden Hill is, I mean, I don't it know if I'm Munden Hill though, but I'm rich. I'm, this is know. incredible. Like, this is really, I, <laughs> I, the truth uh, is I'm curious, but I'm probably not curious to take, you know, 10 minutes now and figure it out. You guys, but you I guys talk curious. about something else. Evan and I are talking okay. about this. Let's so do. you guys It's not that I don't want to know. I, uh, I, I'm not like an expert into like, uh, topography and maps and whatnot, but I do find them interesting and would love like to know good access and just to like look at topographic maps or like a good resources for these types of things. 
uh, like just ran. I, I to continue on my nerdy talk of what interests me is I recently came across um, a map, and this was like a couple months back, not that recent, uh, where it, it it was the entire state of New Hampshire mapping every uh, old like rock wall in the woods. Oh, I've seen that and, with lidar, all that. Yeah, stuff. it was so cool. I was looking at that for like an hour, uh, and just like going across the state and just being like, oh, I wonder if there's any rock walls over here or there. Uh, and that stuff's awesome, but it's only like by state and it's so hard to get it for uh, large areas. Um, but yeah, something about Florida and finding all the, all the peaks of Florida and seeing, uh, which ones can, you know, get close to that. All right. Well, (laughs) welcome back to the show. You guys just got to go on mute and do a phone call or something. Ben just threw this, this three up. It's pretty funny. Um, Okay. Hey, I, I know, like, I'm sure we've got actual topics mm-hmm. to transition to, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just random. I hope Nick, when whoever wins, like, the chess.com, like, on that last hole, they just, like, turn over to the other players and yell, like, checkmate or something. Like, I, is that, like, a thing? <laughs> that, 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 dude, really that'd be awesome. So. And also, we, um, it's the trophy upon. Yeah, Matt, that's really where mine was going. Like, the okay. trophy has a to pawn, be. the queen, the king, I don't, I don't think I can say what the trophies are yet. Okay. I don't think so. It should be just boards. I, 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 I do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, I do. I do know what they are. Um, but one really cool thing that we did do is we actually just put a pawn on hole 18's sleeve for the basket. So you'll see a white pawn wow. that sits underneath the basket. It's really cool. They. That's awesome. Actually, yeah, we yeah, it's really made, but pretty sweet. Yeah, Josh also beat me in chess. By the way, I think I was bragging about how I was two and zero oh against him. Maybe I was doing that off air, but then I got whooped pretty hard by Josh. So uh, two and I, one now. But I, I'm not good. But any listeners out there, hit me up. Chess.com. J E Graham. You got it. <laughs> you got it. Um, all right. Hey, well, Evan, I know you have valuable time as well, and we're not paying you enough to stay on the full two hours. So you got anything else before we let you go? <laughs> You're not paying me enough either. But. Uh, no, that'll do it for me. Uh, I mean, do. I'm that'll excited do, to talk. To- <laughs> I walked right into that one. Yeah, you did. Uh, yeah, we got All Star Weekend this week. Uh, this weekend, I, I said it again. All Star Weekend this weekend. I, I can't avoid yeah. it. Uh, but Nick, excited to see your course that you own. Yeah. Uh, just kidding, that you manage. <laughs> I, I um, I, I've seen you know the YouTube coverage of Throw It on the Mountain in the yeah. past, um, but I know there's been lots of changes, and it's been a while since I've seen it. I won. So pretty excited to watch the uh, All Star and then see what yeah. happens for Chess.com as well. well so. What day are you coming down again? I that's that's new news. Yeah, uh, I'll be down there next Thursday. So okay. to the chess Sorry, invitation. So the day before chess.com. Yep. Okay. So sweet. All right. Awesome. Boom. I'm Sounds already good. getting friend requests on chess.com. Come just on. Like no. that. Heck yeah. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Be- All right. Yeah, yeah. Josh, Josh is just going to be playing people midair. Stream. <laughs> Evan and I did go back and forth a couple turns on a show like two weeks ago. So yeah, yeah we should live stream at one time. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't. Can we play, can we, can we play <laughs> like right. Chinese? Can we do Chinese chess where it's like eight people? And oh. go against each other and like oh, while Chinese Matt's chess. talking, us four Chinese checkers. Like, yeah, but he wants to do <laughs> oh, a chess, chess version. No, but there's like there's actually like Whoa. multiplayer chess versions. Okay, all right, moving. There's along like Vi- there's like Viking chess. We're, we're gonna Matt, let, come on, reel this in. <laughs> all right, see you we're later, Evan. Let Evan. Go, Evan. We thank you very much for your contributions tonight. We'll talk to you um, next right. week. Yeah. All right. Peace yep. out. All right, everybody. Evan Kerr, Stat so, Mando. I just want to say this for everyone who I, I have no idea if any of the chats asking, but people have been posting and like playing the course out at Olympus recently. Um, Thomas Gilbert posted a, a shot on hole nine 
that kind of blew my mind. It's on his Instagram. It, you know, he posted it saying Olympus is looking great, yada, yada, yada. And it's whole nine. And the hole wasn't even officially done correctly. So I had a tree guy out there limb up one of the trees. And we actually didn't go high enough because when we went back to the tee pad, um, the shot still wasn't realistically there. So we're like, okay, we'll limb up the tree. It's one of those modified pines where it's super skinny but really tall. And so tree guy comes back out. But before he comes back out, Thomas goes out and he's playing with a couple people. And he throws this insanely great hyzer flip destroyer shot down the left side of this. You know, you have kind of two fairways for it. And goes on the left side, pretty much parks the basket that I honestly, I think might get birdied 10, maybe 10 times throughout the whole tournament, like 10 to 15 times throughout the whole tournament. And he parked it. And I was just mind, mind absolutely blown. Paul and I were talking about it. Paul Dylan and I were talking about it. And we're like, well, I guess we didn't make the hole hard enough, but it's just, a stupidly hard par three at normally at, what's really funny is thank god i don't play tour events anymore right now because i play that hole and i just throw a luna down at the bottom of the hill i throw a luna up the hill and i call it a day i take my par i just there there are some holes on that property that i just i can't birdie well but they're really enjoyable and there are a lot of pro players who 100 percent can bury them they're just they're well, that much yeah, better speaking than I am. speaking of olympus uh nick did you lock the gate for the night did i lock the gate for the night yeah. who asked I'm I'm asking. Of course he did. Technically, I didn't lock the gate for tonight because I wasn't the last one there. But Jeff Corns should oh, be the okay. last he one said, there. Okay, he said don't. He said don't worry, Nick Carl. We just locked the gate for the night. All right. So as long as you Perfect. knew he was going to do it, there you yeah. go. Oh, <laughs> believe me, I know exactly what's going on at that property. All right, yeah. reining it in. A few topics here, um, and for the closeout of our show, and I'm like 55 minutes for the closeout. Yeah, we'll see where we get to. We are in the last last week before live disc golf returns like depending on when you listen to this live disc golf might be starting on the day of you listening this that's how close we are so it is starting on february 16 17 and 18 i believe there's live disc golf each day but check with dgn to see their schedule yeah there, and there is and there's live um even on the 15th starting to see like the press conference right. right which whether you need to watch that live or not probably not but um you know it's fun all star i mean players for the most part are itching and excited to go they've had a restful off season some of them touring the world some sitting at home relaxing whatever rejuvenates them um, the All-Stars themselves, of course, are proud to have made it to be an All-Star. Again, most of them. And they're ready to go. And it's kind of fun to start an event that they get to showcase their talent. But we talk about the mental game of disc golf. And I'm sure some of them will feel the stress and anxiety of performing on camera. But it's really a free-flowing event. And so I even mentioned the press conference. It's a totally different vibe than some of the other ones. And it's a fun way to kind of ease into the season. So yes, Matt, it's all uh, you can see on their website all the coverage plans. But press conference Thursday, um, and then skills challenge on Friday, if I'm recalling right, doubles on Saturday and singles on Sunday, and you know, ramping us right up into the season. I mean, I'm I'm ready for it. So reactions to previous years of All Stars, there was always a little something missing. For me, and that, I'm not the standard by which things are decided, but for me, it seemed like there wasn't enough, again, my perspective, lightheartedness. I wanted to see showing off. I wanted to see who cares who really wins. You want the show. 
And you saw a little bit of that come out sometimes in the doubles, a little bit. I remember in previous years, like, oh, should I 360 throw this shot and try to clear, you know, 650 foot clear over water? Like, yes, you should. It's the all-star. So I, I really hope that some of that translates. The fact that they're doing the points separate now between like the showcase portion, I like that because there's less, there's not anything on the line per se. And I'm hoping that we just, we see a little bit more of that. Um, so a, a game we played last year called Pop Drop Lock, and we're going to be hopefully rolling out an app with a uh, software, web software developer guy. His name's Shrek. We're just going to call him Shrek. Shrek. That's his name. Shrek. Shout out to Shrek. We, we posted yeah. a video where you got to meet him at the end during the Disc Golf Expo. We posted up that video. Um, but before that's launched... I want you guys to come back next week with a person, a player in mind. And here's what this is. This is in preparation for the season because we don't have averages yet, but we can look at um, last year's averages. So the very, uh, we're, what am I trying to say? <clears throat> I'll get it out. The player who performs highest above their average going into this first event not the not the all-star you got to pick who that player is that's going to shine um which sounds like just the game we're going to play but i want to do it versus the whole season so you're going to pick a player going into the whole season so like instead of being like hey at that event how did they perform i want you to pick a performance of somebody I, i'm getting this all messed up but like so you pick um Paul Kranz, he doesn't have an average last year, so that doesn't work. <laughs> Pick uh, Chandler Kramer. There you go. He had an average last year, and Evan's not here to give us that number, but that's why I'm giving you a full week to think about this. You pick a player, and it's going to be your whole season pick. So you're going to say, he, which player is going to outperform their average from the previous year at the end of the season, like by the end of next year. So it's really looking for your pop-off player of the year. How do we make an average for Paul Kranz? It's like, I want to pick him as my pop-off player. He has a few events. He does, but that might actually play against you because yeah, he played he, so well. He finished pretty high up. <laughs> 20 yeah, he played great, ago. which I think he's going to do again. Yes, but pop-off would be like literally yeah, yeah. podium all year probably. Yeah. No, I got you. I got you. Um, so you see what I'm saying? I, it took a long time for me to get there because I kind of just jotted this segment down. But it's literally picking a player from this year or the previous year, sorry, 2023, where did they average? So look at it going into this coming year. So if they average 20th and you pick them, that means you probably believe they're going to be placing really high. If you pick somebody who averaged 60th, that might be a better chance if you think they're going to play well. So you're looking for the right, pop-off so player of the year. Not that, not that you're needing us to dive into it, but so I'm quick at doing math. So like Emerson Keith. Give us one. Av yeah. Averaged, if you just look at pro tour events, and so we can extend it beyond that, but that was easy for me to grab. If he finished 39th place on average, you're saying I would need to decide like if he's a good pick that I think he's going to average higher than 39th. You want or... somebody who's at least going to average <laughs> one better. Yes. The goal would right. be pop off. Yeah. So the higher up that average he moves, yeah. that's how you win. So if I get someone who yeah. averages 10 spots above and you do 12 spots, you win. Yep. It's the whole yeah, so, year. So, hey, so Emerson Keith could be a real like play. I mean, averaging 39th, very, if you very, think he's going to average yeah. like 22nd, then you, you've got 17 yeah. points. 
Absolutely. And I'm not going to do, I don't want to do the full game with the season, like pop drop lock. I would rather just play pop for this season long. Who's the pop off player of the year. So I'll remind you guys during the week, or as we get closer, make sure you pick that player who it is for you. And then, so that's for the all, like we're picking it by the all-star weekend. Okay. So this coming show, um, that's before the, the first event starts, but then we'll go into the first actual tournament event doing pop drop lock for each event, okay? So next week we will actually pick this, the player of the year, or not player, <laughs> pop of the year, and then we will pick our players for the next event, like pop, drop, lock, okay? That one can be done. Our locks and our drop. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully we'll have a prototype ready to go at least between us, um, and then we'll be able to hopefully roll that out to the masses so everybody can play along with pop, drop, lock. Wow, I sometimes my brain does not let me talk well and everyone's like we know blame, blame it on your brain it's the brain it's so, not your fault all right here's a topic for you speaking of chandler kramer he made a post in social media i think did he play um olympus do you know nick do you know if he was down there yeah he's been out here a bunch okay so he played down at olympus and he uh, this is my understanding because he talked about um Forehand dominant is how he is. And he didn't quite come out and say Olympus, but if that's the course he was playing, he said like hole 17 or 18. Which one would make sense, Nick? Which one would be like, is 18 probably more forehand friendly than any other hole? I would say 17 and 18 are more forehand friendly than every other hole, okay. of course. So, so somewhere in there, and he alludes to the idea or just says it like, these are the only holes that are for somebody who can throw a forehand. The rest aren't, and I'm a forehand dominant player. Using him as a case study, do you think the rest of the panel here, us, do you think the time has come and gone for players to have a dominant? No, I'm not talking about preference. Like, hey, I prefer to throw backhand, but I can throw just as good forehand. Do you think the time has come and gone for you to be a player that says, I have only one dominant style of throw and i don't know that's what he means can i but for sake of conversation what do you think nick yeah can i answer this first yeah okay yes i think the time has gone for you to be strictly a forehand player now two of our last three world champions right yeah two of our last three world championship champions excuse me were 90 percent backhand players like when do you ever see james conrad throw a forehand He's a strictly backhand player. Isaac Robinson is also mainly a strictly backhand player. Um, for backhanding in our sport, especially as a righty backhand, I think there's a little bit... It's easier to be a righty backhand player than I would say it is to be a lefty backhand player in the sport of disc golf currently where it's at right now. Um, I think, though, as a forehand specialist, more often than not, you are going to find more holes are designed for backhand um and a lot of lefties will play this course like chris clemens came out and played it and he absolutely loves the course now you gotta think that a lefty is kind of doing the same lines as a righty but technically or a righty forehand but technically the way that their disc shapes and everything like that it's a little bit easier for them to control the fade out of the end of their flight but yeah as a righty forehand player i think you you have to develop a backhand in our sport long story short you have to develop a backhand in our sport to be successful at it well, and I was going to ask, is that because the courses are leaning towards backhand righty friendly as opposed to just like the ability to do more with a disc on a backhand throw? I think 
some courses definitely do lean more righty backhand friendly, but you're also constricted with the type of property that it is and designing the best possible course on set property. So if the best possible layout slightly does favor a righty backhand more than it does a righty forehand, then it kind of is what it is. And you'll have 98% of the field saying, oh my God, I absolutely love this course. It's incredible. It's a great time. And you might have 2% of the fields who say, it's just not that friendly of a place for the way that I play my disc golf game. And none of this is a slight at Chandler Kramer. Him and I have talked. He was one of the first pros, him and Robert Burge, to come out to the course. And I've been asking everyone that gets on and off the course to say, hey, give me the feedback. Like, what can we change? What can we help out with? And every single time they've come back with, hey, it's looking great. Or, hey, can you take out this? You know, hey, there's a vine leaning here. There's a vine hanging down from here. Okay, hey, let me go grab that for you. Yeah, that shouldn't be in the way. Let me clear this out. And um, so we're super receptive on all of the course criticism that's coming our way. But in all honesty, I don't think there will ever be the most successful player in the world will never be just a strictly a righty forehand player. Okay. Any other thoughts, Ben? You're you're not a strong forehand player that I can think of, and I'm not slighting you. I just don't think I've ever really seen you throw forehand. No, yeah. I, I, th- I throw forehand when the shot calls for me. But, yeah, I mean, everyone's answer should be what Nick just said, that backhand is just different, The just the way the mechanics, the flight, it's just a lot easier to get certain shots with backhand only than with forehand. It just dumps out. You can't really get that smooth flip-up turnover um, so yeah, I, I think, I think you can compete with forehand only, but I, I agree with Nick. I don't think I'll, we'll ever see anyone really dominate forehand only maybe sneak off a win, but I, I don't see it. It's just too tough. It's really tough. You're really uh, hurting yourself by being forehand only. Yeah. I think what you just said, you said everyone listen to Nick. And then I think what Ben just said is what I would land on. So we just keep passing it off here is that you're hurting yourself. Now, when I see somebody, again, this is not directed at Chandler. The conversation started because of his post, but when you see somebody that says like, that is my thing in my head, immediately I'm thinking to myself, if that was me and this is what everybody does in the world. And that's part of the problem. Actually, if you say, if that was me, because I don't want to judge him on this, but like, if I'm in his shoes, I'm probably thinking, how can I start working extremely hard on a backhand and like try to create more opportunity? You see Eagle McMahon, dang, lefty, like he's able to actually play, maybe not professionally, although we saw some at the European Open. He won a major <laughs> while throwing hyzer shots lefty. Right. So like, I think there's a know, win there. Beforehand. there. There's an absolute win there. And so I know that myself i've said this and i'm not a pro player but i say oh like i try not to even say i'm dominant with one or the other i say my preference is backhand but i can probably perform almost as equal with forehand for my game i would think that at some level like players should be able to do that um it's just a conversation starter i don't know josh if you have anything to add to that i mean probably no great insights i mean every single skill set you have for throwing discs, right? Everything from putting to forehand drives to forehand up shots, backhand, whatever list, right? All the unique throws, all those things. They're literally tools, right? In the proverbial disc golf tool belt, right? To help you excel. 
Obviously, the better you are at each of those skills, you become better. That's how you work yourself up the pro tour, consistency, all the things we know. Um, I don't actually care which is dominant, but like in total, you have to have enough skills that separate you. And I think that's where you're all commenting and saying, yes, but we have never seen that, right? Like meaning uh, purely forehand, um, exaggerative dominant. So Matt, this will be funny because we've talked on the side, right? So uh, go back to like video games and think I'm going to pick a classic. So you ready listeners? Um, like Tony Hawk pro skater and you can go in and tune your skater, right? And you got all of these skills and you slide the levers up and down, right? At the at some point, yes, if you overextend one particular thing so high, you're going to be amazing at that, but it's just going to like set you back. And I'm being funny with the video game comparison. <laughs> but the point is, is if Chandler as an example, can, he can stay forehand dominant, but he's got to find a way to tune the other variables enough so he's not left behind. If all he's doing is throwing forehands, and we're exaggerating because that's not all he can do, but remember when he kind of popped off at European Open? I think that's all we saw him do, right? And he still played mm -hmm. incredible, but like to sustain that when the competition around the players nowadays continues to rise... That's why the fields are so much tighter. This is why you see some of the best of, in our sport of all time. The competition is much tighter, right, for them than it's ever been because everything keeps rising. So, I mean, it's just to me that's even – I'm not being as philosophical on whether the game should, you know, serve lefties or righties or forehands or backhands. I mean, like all that's good, but it's just like you have to be as well-rounded. If you can get one notch higher than somebody else in one skill set, and on the course, that's the one skill set you need at that moment, then you've separated yourself. That's the margins, in my opinion. I think you simplified it in a lot of ways. And to tie it all up, and whether it's eloquent or not, I believe that having all of the skill shots at the highest level is going to be that differentiator. Whether or not that course only calls for the forehand, like you said, maybe that's a thing, and you're better at that time and place. But I think to be the player on tour, it's going to be every single throw the best you can. And I don't. And to your point, if you're lucky and that's all it's called for on that one course, then there you go. Well, it's it's not a fair comparison, but we've seen this over time. Do you remember when there was a time when Ricky was considered a forehand dominant player, and like he was kind of uh, yeah. known, he was kind of known yeah. for that, and he was really good. But like that was like his thing. Like nobody thinks that about Ricky anymore. I mean, he's like he's incredible forehand. People know it, but like. That's that wasn't True. it, right? And then there's some other players on, on the list, like yeah, Eagles, etc. So like it's just players need to learn to evolve. And so like literally, we all talked about this last week. Chandler playing open bag, we're rooting for him to be exciting story. He's got the skill sets. Mm -hmm. So like again, we're using him because it's a great way to have a catalyst for a discussion. But it, hopefully, he stays as good as he is now forehand, and then supplements right. the rest of his game up to that level. And then right sponsors maybe come knocking, right? That, uh, that's think, exactly yeah we we can kind of look at players in the past too where you know two that come to mind especially nate sexton and jeremy Colling, both in the 1020s to 1030s nate might have crested 1040 here and there they've won the uscgc they've won multiple pro tour events they are forehand specialists they predominantly lean on the forehand but they also have a thousand rated backhand still. They can pull out a 990, 1000, 1010 rated backhand shot. Jeremy Colling's one of the furthest throwers in the game. Even still, you know, he can throw the disc over 550 feet. He can still throw the backhand when needed. But will he throw the forehand more often than not? Yeah, absolutely. But you still need to be able to fall back on it 
in worst case scenarios. Like for me, I can throw a pretty dang good forehand. I'm not the best at it. I prefer to throw a backhand more often than not when I'm playing wood courses. But if I need to, I can throw a thousand rated forehand or a 1010 rated forehand. And that's why with me, where I'm at in my disc golf life, I still have success in local tournaments. When you get out to tour courses, though, I, obviously I get that it is much harder, but you still need to have that shot just in the back of your mind where I can't throw it. And I mean, James Conrad is one of those people where you just rarely ever see him throw a forehand, but if he needs to, then he could probably Simon get up vlog. and down on the shot. Simon vlog. I yeah. At so. the end of the day, right? Yeah. If, <laughs> yeah. if it's his, if it's his best option, he'll throw the forehand, yeah. but he's so good at he'll the back end. He'll be off the T-pad. Well, yeah. right. But he's so good at the backhand mm -hmm. that the best option for him is rarely a forehand, but that does eventually like, that does eventually hold you back, even if it's just on the margins, right? Even if you're still throwing a 1050 round, it's like, ah, it could have been a 1055 and that stroke might have been the difference. So yeah. like that, that's all Seriously. I'm saying. It's just uh -huh. like, you got to like tune every particular part of your game up. I have no problem with you being dominant in one area. That's going to happen. Yeah. But, but I, I don't think I would want to refer to myself as being dominant in only one thing that I, I it's kind of where the conversation stemmed from. So it's like, I want to be, yep. yes, you to say you're dominant in something means everything else is lacking is how I hear it. Yeah. When you say so, you're dominant in something. Yeah. But I, I, I talked to Paul about this cause we've all had conversations with Chandler and the multiple pros that have come out to the course. And so Paul and I have actually talked about this to where, you know, how unforehand friendly is Olympus. And if you really think about it and he would explain it a lot better than I can, cause he has played the course. I still haven't even played all 18 holes of the course in succession yet. No, I, I haven't. The FPO layout is way more enjoyable to me than the MPO layout because the MPO layout is literally designed to test the best of the best in the MPO division. The FPO layout, though, is super fun. It's got one or two ace run shots that are really fun to see. You guys will be able to see it soon on coverage. Um, that layout is actually, it's kick-ass. Um, but if you think about it, like two's drive may lean more towards a backhand, but the upshot on hole number two, it's like a 700-foot par four is a thousand percent a forehand shot hole three it's a backhand drive but it's probably a really good forehand up shot hole four you can go on and mm. on and on where it might not be the best decision off of a t-pad but it's almost guaranteed the best decision on your second shot on your approach shot especially for some of the par fours where there is ob from a property line or something like that um but yeah, I still haven't played every single hole, and I'm hoping during chess.com week I'll finally be able to chill out just a little bit. I'll have the course in pristine condition with all the guys that have been helping out out there, and uh, I'm hoping to play around potentially with Paul. I'd love to play around with Simon and Paul Kranz. I would actually, probably out of most people, would love to play around with Paul Kranz, nice. just hang out. So Here, Here's a wrap-up of this topic, which it's it took us a while to get here, and that's fantastic. It's good content. gets my brain thinking. When I say the name Nate Sexton, what comes to your head? Is he a dominant player? You go, he's a blank dominant player. My, and I don't mean profanity. <laughs> I mean like, and my answer actually is initially I might go, oh yeah, he throws forehands, but I do not think I would actually classify Nate Sexton as forehand dominant. I don't think I would. If I meant prefers forehands, I might lean there. Do you guys agree with that or would you see it differently? Uh, I would say he prefers. I think everyone's entitled sure. to the dirt. <laughs> no, go ahead, Ben. Sorry. I I, th I I think he's not dominant, but prefers. I think he's more. He's like J J him and Jeremy Colling, like Nick was saying. 
are are like the two on tour where I first think like they would rather throw the four in if they can, but they'll if the shot calls for a backhand, they'll they'll throw the backhand. I just there's a big difference in my mind between preference and dominant. That's yeah. all I'm trying well, to say. Well, so, yeah. So Matt, we're coming all the way around. The big challenge <laughs> is the definition of the word that you used, right? And so when you use Chandler Kramer as an example of saying dominant, um, then we mean almost exclusively, right? And yes, I do not think. You can compete at the top level in our game if you're almost exclusive to one particular throw. You might pop off, which we've seen happen, um, but it's just it's going to hold you back because there's gonna the margins are so tight. I keep saying that, but it's like one, two, three strokes is like a big deal in the pro game, and one, two, or three strokes easily, right? A different kind of throw, the way the disc settles on the side of the hill. Um, you know, how you can navigate under the trees, the rotation of the disc, how it flips, like all those things come about with different flows, uh, throws. And that's partly why our game is fun. You can literally roll a disc, right? You can do a forehand roll or whatever. I'm it roller wants. dominant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just wouldn't hey, work. But that that's well. funny. But we know we've got some players, not really at the top level for good reason, who are like uh, overhand dominant. Yeah, right? true. Like there are people who play that way. And it's like, ah, you're, you can be pretty darn good, but... If you can't do the other throws, you're stuck. And when you when we said dominant, it's interesting because we go back to James Conrad, and he won worlds. And I don't, I'm not the stat guy. Evan's already long gone. And here. and U.S. right? Yes, but there and you you have to. The times are changing. Is all I'm trying to say. I don't know if we'll see that anymore. For like, let's count it. Like, let's look at players when they win this year or place well. If we would actually say like they are stuck with realistically only one throw, and I, James could say I can throw so four, but like the, take yeah, take Isaac ahead. Robinson, he Ooh. won Champions Cup and Worlds last year, and you could probably count on one hand how many times on coverage you saw him throw a forehand. I don't like, even know. He he just did it last year. I think that's what I mean. Like I don't know uh, his forehand if it's a preference for him to throw backhand or if he's literally dominant. And he's I, dominant for sure. He's dominant. I've like, never. I, I don't would even consider know if him I've exactly. Him yeah. But is that by preference or because he literally cannot execute as good of a shot? That's what I'm asking. No, I mean, okay, just because you can't execute as good of a shot doesn't mean that that's not what makes a preference. You can still be a dominant player. So like fourteen. He's, he's not throwing a four hundred fifty foot. Uh, forehand shot, but if he needs to throw a chip A2 shot to the basket from 220, he probably has that in the bag. I bet you the same thing for Conrad. Probably throws an overstable mid-range from MVP. I don't know all their plastics. Um, that he could do, but there's a comfort and dominance to it to where it's like, why would I do that when I know nine times out of ten I'm going to hit this shot exactly how I want to. Three times out of ten I'm going to hit this shot. Yeah, I mean, I think Nate Sexton, you were saying earlier, I think it's a preference for Nate Sexton. No, I think he's a forehand dominant player to where he will take the forehand shot nine times out of ten, and he's 90 times more likely to be successful with the forehand shot than he ever will be with the backhand shot. And he'll, he'll admit it every day of the week. Now we bring the conversation back to <laughs> the level of dominance because you look at him and he throws a backhand successful enough to to in the past he's he's i don't want to say aging out but he would talk he's not he's not playing as much anymore yeah. we don't see him as much anymore right yeah. but i mean I like mean. he he was keeping up with the backhand though he was no slouch like there's no slouch with it no. right and so i guess the level of dominance starts to separate that's all i'm trying to say like james conrad 
Chandler Kramer. I don't even know Chandler Kramer's backhand. Um, I literally just sent Isaac Robinson a text to ask him if he's a dominant backhand player. <laughs> Matt, I'll tell Try, you this. On... I'll, t- I'll text Nate Sexton right now and say, <laughs> are you a dominant that. forehand player? I'll, I'll but, text but, him but right But clarify, now. not preference, but like... What did, what did you say to what did you say to Isaac? Because I would right, say the fine. same exact words to Nate in reverse. Would you consider yourself a dominant backhand player or do you throw backhand because it's a preference? I don't know how he'll interpret he, that, but that's literally like a trick question. 50, it's a trick question. <laughs> on uh, For Worlds, when he won on, uh, what is it, Fox Run, he, on 15, he threw a backhand, and that's the most forehand hole of all time. So I think that that in itself is... He throws a backhand on hole six, which is the easiest dump forehand on Fox Run, and he throws a backhand on it. Well, now Daniel in the chat's arguing with you, Nick. You'll have to get on that, so... What is what is Daniel saying? Nate's game is way more balanced than I think Isaac he, or I, yeah, it is, I think he prefers Nate's game. Nate's game is a hundred percent more balanced. I, I'll say that same thing, and I said that earlier about Coling as well. Their games are more balanced to where when they need to execute that ten ten rated backhand shot, they can do it. But Nate will say if he can make the shot shape work for a forehand, he will a thousand percent do it. Okay. But he can, like, I've seen Nate Sexton throw 450 foot backhand shots and throw power shots, but mm-hmm. he's not doing that if he doesn't have to. He will full on rely on the forehand. Fair. And we just talked. But yes, I, I, I do was, agree with Daniel on that. That was a lot. <laughs> on randomness. You know what, though? People need this, uh, their work day. Get them through their work day. <laughs> they're like, dude, they're still talking about that. I must have just barely started work. Nope. You've been working for 30 minutes. <laughs> Next time we go to debate a topic, let's define the definition of the word first, and it'll be a lot easier. Yeah, what is dominance? So, Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> All right, next topic, and this one's not to be debated because this is up to each person, and we're actually going to do this uh, random select on screen who goes first. Give oh, us boy. your your top three events that you're looking forward to here. We'll see who it starts with of the season, uh, and you can't do worlds. Um, realistically, and you can't do, um, I don't want to say any of the majors. We can't do any of the majors. Okay. Because that's, oh, that's just like, those are expected big events that you, you look All forward right. to. So any event outside of that, who did it land on? Josh. Josh. Okay. Josh, you're first. Ooh. All right. Okay. Well, besides the majors then, because uh, I'm putting an asterisk on that. Cause the truth is those are the events I am most looking mm-hmm. forward to. However, Maybe this will surprise Nick again. I think if you want reasons, I'll give you reasons. But I'll start with chess.com, Idlewild, and MVP Open. It doesn't surprise me at all. I'm just, I'm stoked you guys are excited for it. <laughs> I think, I thought Paul Kranz was saying it just because I was in the room. But then he kind of explained it. I'll be yeah. very, I'll be very brief as to why. Um, one, there's a little bit of history on this course. That's probably not the main reason. Um, I'm excited because it's the first event of the year. That's like part of it is just like, I am ready to go. Um, it's obviously fun seeing the connection with Paul and Dylan and then Nick for us, you like so just lots of reasons. Plus I have since the sponsorship and this is no lie since you announced a sponsorship, I can't stop playing chess. So like, I'm excited about that. Like everything. That's why. Sit. All right, Ben, get three up ready for us without Josh. So Nick, me, you. Okay, we're going to do our next selection. Who's it going to go to? You ready? Nick. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, intern uh, Ben, everybody. Ben's up next. You can go back to four up if you want. Oh, okay. Four up, four up. Either way. Well, I guess I'll go just go me. Uh, so my my top three that I'm looking forward 
are Maple Hill, Green Mountain Championship, New England, maybe, and I'm looking forward to Ledgestone because, correct me if I'm wrong, it's not going to be at a, what's it called, Northwood Black anymore. It's just going to be a, a... Just a, for this year. Is it all the um, Eureka Lake or is it a new course? That I can't answer. Okay, that's why I'm most excited. There you go. I have no idea. There you go, because I'm excited to see, you know, what's known for the most treacherous event of the year, what they're going to do to, you know, make it still entertaining. All right, and I'm not going to take Nick's spot here. I'll go last. Nick, what do you think? Uh, Okay, I'm very easily excited for chess.com invitational. Uh, GMC because it's my favorite event and I usually go to it every single year whether I get to play or just spectate everything about Vermont is incredible to me and then Beaver State Flings back on the Pro Tour circuit um, I've always loved watching the coverage for Beaver State Fling so just kind of thinking off the top of my head those will be the ones I'm most looking forward to besides for the majors okay and there's a reason to pick almost any event whether it's the venue the hype or history I was I gotta find another H in there. <laughs> Hooligan. <laughs> and yeah, our hats. Um hats are H too. Okay. Whoa. So chess.com invitational. It is on my top three. And it's Nick, probably Nick, the anticipation Nick. of this course. I know it's different, but being on tour was something that was always wanted, and I think we're all excited to see. So Nick, it can't be a flop, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope for let's I hope for like a massive sure hope not. let's hope for some God. like massive playoff or like a throw in you know to win like yeah. something big just to make yeah. it dramatic and awesome. Checkmate, yeah, checkmate, checkmate baby. Boom, I can see it. Yeah. Remember when Simon at Des Moines pointed with his putt? He that goes checkmate, dude. I still want. If anyone has a picture of that, I want it. Have you guys ever seen? Is it um Rick Weber or something? The the bowler where he bowls a strike to win. He- the last one, and he goes, "Who do you think you are? I, I am. am." Like that's Pete what I something. just want someone to say. Like checkmate Pete to Weber. if they want someone yeah. to play up. Pete Weber. That's what it was. Pete Weber. So like something um, like that. Sick. A playoff. Yeah, something like sudden that. death. Dude, we need some emotion like that yeah. from players winning. I hope the pro tour does some. They're gonna do a hype video. On, are they doing media day down there, Nick? For like all stars, they used to do that. Whereas, yeah, like, I think I think Thursdays. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Thursday, day. you can watch it live. No, I yeah. meant like media, as in like they're capturing all the footage of the players to pro promo and do hype uh, reels and all that. That's kind of. What I'll I'm say saying. this: the pro tour all arrived within the past couple of days, okay. and all of their stuff got sent to my house, and I have finally <laughs> given them, oh, my apartment, I should say, I have finally given them their things, so they can hopefully do exactly what you're talking about. Awesome. So that would be cool. I'm looking for the hype videos. They've gotten so good at that over the years, getting better and better yeah. and better. So that was the first one. The second one for me, it was tough, because I so badly wanted to say Portland, because I thought it was beautiful. I wanted to say uh, Green Mountains, because that's obviously a, f- a great event. But I'm gonna go off the like, off the map a little bit here, and some will be happy to hear this. Others will be surprised. But LWS Open at Idlewild, and the reason I pick this one is because it brings drama of competition tight, like tight. It's compressed scores, and some people find that boring. But when you're coming down the last three holes, there's chances to eagle if you need to. There's a lot of OB on 17, and then 18 is tight. It's just, it creates excitement. That's that's my second, and then the third is MVP Open. It's a home, obviously a hometown. I live here in Leicester. Yeah. 
So there you go. Yep. My top three. Can we uh, include the majors really quick? Okay, now go uh, to your go to your majors. Okay, yeah, yeah let's do the majors. All right, I'm just gonna say, and I'm gonna take an extra kind of minute to say this too. But the World Championships being down in Lynchburg, Virginia, which is where I spent the last three years of my life living, you know, and competing, playing, and meeting, you know, the friends and family that I've been able to meet down there. Um, Pro Worlds was really set up by obviously by the PDGA, but one of the really kind of factors in everything happening in lynchburg and bedford county was a man named kenny palmer who just actually recently passed away from brain cancer but he's 99 percent of the reason why bedford disc golf and lynchburg disc golf, i would say bedford disc golf is as good as it is like new london it was him and his team that really put that place together after paul designed it maintained it and all the surrounding courses the other ones that paul was able to design and help out on um kenny palmer was the absolute man um, really, really nice guy and, you know, just battled as hard as he could against cancer, but unfortunately did pass away just recently. So it's sad because he, like I said, he was the main reason, one of the main reasons why Worlds is coming to Lynchburg, Virginia, and he won't get to see it the way that we would want him to. But anyways, Lynchburg, Virginia, that's the world championships. That's what I'm looking forward to in the majors. Damn, cancer sucks, man. Yeah. So... That's you guys might be blown away by this, but that's all the topics I had tonight. I knew Paul Kranz was going to be interesting. Um, Evan brought us some great stats. We talked a few topics here. Um, you guys have anything? We don't have to keep going, but if there's something that was pressing, otherwise we're going to wrap it up and we're going to get excited to start up for the first live disc golf event of the year because after after we watch live disc golf for a weekend. We're going to have a show, and that'll be the first time in a long time that that's happened. So I'll uh, be looking forward to that. Anything? Did I miss anything you guys wanted to talk about that we didn't get into the show notes? No? No, this is pretty much... Is my... I no, I, no, no, my, no, I'm just... I, uh, I, I don't know. I never heard it. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, nothing to add by way of topics. I am uh, excited. It's been fun to join the show. And then now the disc golf season is kicking off. Um, like lots, lots is going to start happening. All-Star Weekend will be fun. I'm not sure how much we'll be able to talk about any real drama other than just the fun of it. But we, you know, two weeks from now will come really, really quick as I'm sure Nick is feeling. And um, I just, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be great. Every year, like you start the year with what you think the possible big stories might be. Maybe that's a topic next time. Mm -hmm. And then you revisit at the end of the year and say, what were the actual stories that happened? Every once in a while you can hit right? But more often than not, there are stories you don't even foresee. And that's part of what's fun watching the pro scene. Like you just don't know who's going to be the new player in, the new player out, other storylines. Um, so it's just like, we've been waiting for it and here it is. I agree. Um, next week or next episode is how I'll put this. We are planning on having Jeff Spring. That will be following the all-star weekend um will it be interesting to see like we'll have questions about everything i'm sure uh depending on how that event unfolded the live coverage how that went in fact and i don't mean this like as a slight to jeff but if everything goes really poorly the pro tour might decide it's not best to be on media like talking so we'll hope for the best here <laughs> we hope it goes yeah. really well um but that's the plan as well so stay tuned for that i, I think he's going to do some other media appearances leading up to it 
but we'll get him right after. So we'll get his thoughts after how it went and launching into the season. So that'll be really cool. Nick, yeah. I know we're used to going 15 minutes more, but I'm going to hand it over to you to close it out, dude. Thanks to Disc Golf Appreciate 978, it. dudes. Oh, wait. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. L let me mention that real quick. Disc Golf 978 is moving. I can announce this to Meadowbrook Orchards. So they are their shop. They are no longer going to be in Fitchburg. They are going to put their whole entire shop at Meadowbrook Orchards. It's going to be a, an amazing complex. And this is relevant to our listeners who come out. They fly from all over the world to come to Maple Hill. And then you find out Meadowbrook is literally a short drive, 15, 20 minutes. And now you have more reason to go. The course and venue is amazing. You can grab lunch, breakfast, and there's going to be a, a world-class disc golf shop all included at this one venue. Yes, thank you, Disc Golf 978. Nick, take it away. All right, just want to say thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in on this wonderful Monday night here on Staggered Stands. Thank you to Disc Golf 978. I want to shout out everyone down in the Brooksville and Tampa area who has come up to Olympus to play during our two opening weekends. You guys have made the reason we are doing all this just such a fun time. And I'm, I'm blessed to say that I was able to meet so many of you over the past two weekends. So thank you guys for joining in. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube channel. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. Josh is trying to show us some art. His camera's a little overexposed. We're going to imagine it's beautiful. Nick, you're awesome. Ben, you're awesome. Josh, you're awesome. Until next time, everybody. Peace out. Peace.